Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to AVFC Extra, a no-nonsense look at the club we all love. Brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast. Hello and welcome to a new episode of AVFC Extra. I'm James Rushton and today I'm joined by Reach PLC scouting expert Josh Williams to review, hopefully by the time you're watching this, an actual Aston Villa signing. Uh, Morgan Sanson is set to announce his move to Aston Villa this week. So by the time you're watching, hopefully that's all done and dusted and he's a Villa player. Uh, but in the meantime, here's the lowdown on Sanson from a man who knows best, a man who's reviewed the stats, reviewed the footage and can tell us all about the new Villa man. Fingers crossed. Here's me and Josh Williams for the next 20 minutes speaking about Villa's new man. So, Josh, how are you doing? Doing good, mate, yeah. Um, it's been a while since I came on, but <laughs> I think Dave's mentioned since that, you know, the last podcast that I appeared on, last podcast that he appeared on as well, the, the feedback's generally quite good, so I don't mind speaking to the, uh, the Villa fan base, to be honest. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure they're really happy to speak to you after the um, the 7-2 and, of course, David reviewing uh, Ross Barkley. And I mean, it's just been like good news. So um, you always come on when there's good news. Uh, I think we had a, a, a tactical gap. We didn't want to bring you on after uh, Liverpool beat the uh, the Villa in the, the FA Cup. Uh, so making up for it now by getting you on to uh, review a hopeful new Villa signing, Morgan Sanson. Uh, we disagree. We don't know the pronunciation, really. I, I've Googled it. It seems to be Sanson or the French variation of Sanson. But uh, Josh, what do you make of the move in general? I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's an interesting move. It's um, it, it's a sign that I didn't expect Villa to make. I, I wasn't really actually aware that it was an, an area that Dean Smith was, was wanting to to switch up a little bit. But with, um, I think, Hurricane's gone on loan, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it, it's obviously an area that he wants to address. And this is a player that I was I was aware of. I have wrote about him in the past. So, um yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And as soon as you mentioned about speaking about him, sent me a message. I was a bit like, um, I was I, I was familiar with the name and stuff. So it's an interesting one. Yeah. Do you think uh, it's interesting that you wrote about him before? Because one of the questions I did want to ask, kind of off script, is where did you ex- would you have expected him to move? Do you expect you know was this the right time to move to Villa? Is it a sign that Villa are on the up acquiring a player like Sanson? What, what what in general do you think of that? The teams I've linked him with in the past have been uh, Wolves and I think um, he was uh, he was rumoured to be a scout at, from Leicester at a Marseille game and I just I just got asked to do a general piece on you know who might the scouts have been looking at that was just for, for our Leicester centre and Sanson was one of the names I flagged in that piece so he's a player who's been linked in and around with I suppose the teams that you that are in and around the top 10 wanting to push into Europe, I suppose. So, for them to be getting linked with Villa and on the verge of signing, really, I suppose it is a good sign, considering last season, you know, Villa scraped relegation a little bit. This season, he seems to be making massive steps towards something bigger. And I think adding a player like this is only going to help that, really. I don't think he's a level below what Villa have currently got. I think he's going to help. I think he's, he's going to ensure that if there's any rotation, any injuries that the standard doesn't drop below a certain level. And 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's a positive sign. What do you think of his background? Could you explain, go, dig into that a little bit? Did you, did you expect him to still be in France at this point? Has he perhaps went under the radar since? I mean, we, we linked him with um, Leicester and Wolves. So has he been under the radar a little? I think he has a little bit, but I think it's it's probably all just coincided nicely with, with his contract. To be honest, he's currently got eighteen months left on his deal. So you know, when a player gets to that stage, the club kind of has a decision: do we extend this player's deal? Or do we do we move to sell him? And I think Villa have been able to exploit that a little bit with I think the rumored fee. I think I'm right in saying is about about fifteen million. I think that's probably solid value in the in the current market, especially in January. You know he's worth more than that. And although he's, I suppose he's kind of been a little bit of a latecomer to the Premier League. He's he's still only really just entered his peak. You know he's he's recently turned twenty six years old. I think so. He's still got, you know, that those prime years that we say between say twenty five and thirty. He's got a few of them to still give. And considering he's gonna give those, you know, for fifteen million, I think it's a solid deal. But in, in in terms of the the way it's transpired and the age he's he's moving at, it's probably just the way his contracts have worked out, to be honest. So what type of midfielder is he then? Because I'm really interested to see if you can pick out like a leading example of the type of midfielder is probably a bigger name or someone actively playing in the Premier League right now who sounds and replicates a little what what type of player is it? Yeah, I tried to do that to be honest very late on today. I, I was thinking to myself, who who can I compare this player to? Because he he comes across to me quite interesting because he's um he looks like a good all rounder. He looks like the type of player who's maybe seven out of ten across the board. Um and he, he kind of paints a picture of Kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. But not no, that's not a negative. That's 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 a you know a reliable performer if you like. But while also having that, he he does have attacking qualities. He doesn't he doesn't naturally attack really naturally offer stuff that more more than the typical central midfielder. Like I think in England we have a perception that a central midfielder delivers goals and assists because mm. of. You know, Lampard, Yaya Torre, Gerrard, players like this, but it doesn't really happen. Most centre midfielders don't really do anything when it comes to offering goals and assists, at least. Like, they might do stuff beforehand in terms of getting the team to the final third, but the actual goals and assists side, they don't usually deliver. But um, I'd say Sanson does more so than, than normal. And I think the best example I can probably give, he's kind of like a, a cross between maybe. A John McGinn, Abdullah Decore type. Um, like I think there's obviously certain Premier League midfielders who are in the top bracket in terms of what they'll contribute. Like I think Kevin De Bruyne, mm-hmm. um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's quite attacking for the centre midfielder. James Madison, I think you could probably throw Ross Barkley in there as well. And I think then there's maybe a little bit of a step down to the likes of. Yuri Tillemans, uh, John Joe Shelby, maybe Ruben Neves, players who are still central midfielders, but and he's still often a bit more in attack than a typical central midfielder, but not to the real top level whereby there's a goal or an assist of getting posted every week. So he's he's kind of in and around that. Um, that's the best way I can describe him really. But he's, he's a, he was a difficult player to nail, to be honest. So we've seen that he can play all over the midfield and he replicates kind of a mix mix and match of 
these these high profile names. Where do you expect him to fit in at Villa? Because we've seen a little double pivot, a midfield three. Where does he fit in that in that specific tactical fit, or is he a different tactical fit? Who who would he replace or, or back up even? Yeah, that's a tricky one to answer because uh, about seventy percent of his minutes this season have came in central midfield. Um, last season, about eighty percent of his minutes came in central midfield, and most of the rest come as a number ten, usually. So he's quite versatile. He's actually played some minutes as a centre forward as well, and two completely random appearances as a right back, uh, which you know, interesting. Um, but in a, if you're using a four-two-three-one, which Dean Smith seems to be leaning towards lately, he can probably play as the number ten or as one of the two sixes. Um, and he usually slightly favours the left side. So he's, he's probably in dire competition, to be honest, with... At the minute, if, if Dean Smith was fielding his first, his best 11, and he was using 4-2-3-1, you'd probably have a midfield two of McGinn and Douglas Louise, and you'd have Ross Barkley as your, t- your 10, probably. I'd say if Sanson arrives, he's probably in dire competition with... McGinn and Barkley. I think you you, you need to, you need to keep Louise in there because he's slightly more defensive minded, um, and he's going to offer that to the team. I think if you put McGinn and Sanson in there, I think they could probably perform. But yeah, there's an element of overkill maybe in there. I think you'd you'd maybe want to be a bit more safe with nothing if you're villain depending on the opponent that you're coming up against. I suppose, but he's. To be honest, he's not a player that I'm certain will will immediately come straight in, and and I'm not sure Dean Smith is buying a starter unless Ross Barkley isn't retained beyond the summer, or unless he's thinking of switching towards a four three three or or whatever. But I think it just probably gives Villa more more rotation without dropping below a certain level, making Villa a bit more adaptable. You know, if Ross Barkley had suffered this hamstring injury, and Sanson was available, Sanson could have played as the ten. So mm. it's just. I suppose giving Villa more options, but in terms of the best eleven, the best team on the field, Dean Smith's probably got a nice problem on his hands. Well, it seems like um, to go off script a little bit. A lot of people speculating about Douglas Louise moving back to Manchester City because the situation is almost lined up perfectly for that to happen. If that was to happen, could Sanson? I know you say Douglas Louise is more defensive, but is there any scope for Sanson fulfilling that role as a quick fix or as someone who can? performing it long term or is something that can adjust that midfield free for Villa uh, beyond the scope of this season? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see it, it, it tested. I mean, it, it, it's more probably a concern for me that the other central midfielder that Villa have is is John McGinn, who's probably another who's slightly more offensive minded than the typical centre mid. So you'd have two there who are both willing to bag the odd goal and, and that sort of stuff. And yeah, I'd just be inclined to think, you know, is too, are too many players going to get ahead of the ball? Uh, like if you look at if you look at the Corey, for example, you know he was fielded with Capoue at uh, Watford. Since he's moved to Everton, he's kind of got Allen slightly behind him. So I think I think they could do it, and I think they'd need they'd need to work on the partnership. And Dean Smith would actually would have to go out his way to instruct. You know did want to stay behind the ball and stuff like that and want to be a bit more defensive minded maybe or whatever but in terms of being a replacement f- for for Douglas Louise 
that's yeah, that's something I'm less certain about. What do you think his strengths are then, Morgan Sanson? I know we said probably not expecting this immediate massive impact in the Premier League, but what do you really like about him, Josh? I think his, his ability to deliver goals more than the average player is obviously a good thing. Um, I think he's posted in and around 10 goals slash assists combined in, in, in each of the past three seasons, um, which is obviously a positive. I think last season it was five goals, four assists. Season before, five goals, three assists. Season before that, nine goals, two assists. So if you've got a player like that who is just inclined to post the odd goal or assist, considering football's a low-scoring game, it's just nice to have players across the board all around the team who are able to, to chip in with the odd goal. Villa have obviously got that threat from set-pieces, so the centre-backs are delivering with the odd goal and assist. McGinn does. Uh, Sanson now will. Ross Barley, of course, will. And then you've got the attacking players who obviously will. So it's just nice to have more goals and assists around the pitch. Uh, it stems really from his, his ability to strike the ball. He's a nice striker of the ball, specifically when when he's fed with, with maybe a rolling ball and he's got it with a first time. He seems to be quite good at hitting the ball with his first touch. Um, as I said, 7 out of 10 in most areas. And um, if you look at his past few seasons, he doesn't tend to suffer from, from injuries too much, really. He's played between about 2,100 and about 2,500 minutes in each of the past three seasons in League One. That equates to about about twenty five full nineties mm-hmm. across across the season. So that, you know that's solid. The general thing with with injuries is players who suffer from them in the past will suffer from them again. It sounds a bit yeah. simplistic, but that's generally how it works. Um, so he did suffer a crucial injury. I think it was twenty fifteen, but he does seem to have moved past that without any real problems. Um, but yeah, he seems to be generally just another quite attacking player that Dean Smith can can use. Dean Smith's generally quite an attacking coach. And this in the summer he added attacking players, even as right back, you know, Matty Cash is quite an, an attacking right back, even as goalkeeper, you know, Emmy Martin yeah. is. Anytime he claims the ball, his first thought is always can he instigate a counter attack, always runs towards the edge of the box and looks to get a counter attack on the go. So just adding more and more attacking players to uh, to Villa's team regardless of the position. So what about the weaknesses? We've got to go on to the bad news now, now that we've had so much good news. Does Morgan Stanson have any major weaknesses that have uh, stood out in his career? The good thing is, I, I couldn't really find many. Um, I spoke that's a positive right. thing. I was looking at it thinking, you know, I need to find some weaknesses here. But as I said, he's just kind of a 7 out of 10 in most areas. I suppose one one department that, I, that he didn't show up the best in, let's say, is... is Progressive passing, so his passing ability to move his team up the pitch wasn't the best for the general comparison. I compared him to a few other centre midfielders who were roughly in a similar mould, let's say. Um, so I just compared him to the Corey, uh, Thomas Suchek, Sander Berg, and I just threw Genie Wijnaldum in there as well. And um, since the beginning of last season in the Premier League. Sanson places bottom of that little group yeah. for progressive passes per 90. Um, and in terms of the progressive distance in yards of his passes, 
he also plays his bottom. Not by much, yeah. but just it's it's supposed one one of the areas where I just thought to myself, okay, you can probably highlight that considering the players he's beneath. Uh, but he does make up for that in another department, which we will get to. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's been uh, too, almost too much good news here. We're hearing a, a good, solid all-rounder that Villa needed. Uh, it's a surprising area in the midfield that we m- probably didn't think would have been reinforced until the summer. So, Josh, I think finally, is there anything that stands out in the stats about him? What specific highlight has really jumped out to you about Sanson? And I feel like this might be hard since he's a 7 out of 10. He's fairly yeah. all everything. No, usually, usually you do have that specific department because of the because of the wealth of stats available at the moment. You do have one department usually that a player stands out in. I kind of am able to hone in on that really and, and highlight why that's effective. That's usually why a team is buying a player. Uh, with Sanson, outside of goals and assists, which is quite obvious, just the generic aspect of his play, he tends to make up for the, the lack of progressive passing, let's say by carrying the ball progressively. He, he seems he's quite dynamic on the ball, inclined to carry his team to the final third, really. Um, and I compared him last season to the whole of League One uh, for progressive carries and progressive carries into the final third. And for both of those stats, he, he generally places inside the top 20 in the league f- for total. Um, slightly ahead of... Maybe like a Ronaldo Sanchez. Not sure if many people will be aware of him who are listening. And right behind Marco Verratti. So just kind of that ability to just get on the ball and carry your team forward with the ball at your feet. It's a bit like Grealish does, I suppose. Uh, he, he seems more inclined to do that than using his passing ability to do it. Um, which is, I suppose, a little bit of a stylistic thing and, and offers an insight into... Why his progressive passes, passing numbers aren't maybe what what you'd like them to be? Really off script now. This is gonna I'm gonna be asking you something that should be coming off the top of your head. So uh, <laughs> if you can't answer it, don't worry, Josh. But from everything that's said today, um, not an immediate impact. All round seven out of ten, fairly dynamic player with a lot of all round strengths in loads of different areas. Someone who's a bit of a mismatch of Villa's current midfield trio. It sounds to me like this is very similar to a, a French sign in Villa made a few years ago, Jordan Vertu, especially the Leicester comparison uh, being scouted by other clubs where Villa wanted the direction Villa wanted to go. It sounds very similar to that. And the, the positive that I take from that, because Vertu's time was short, swift, didn't have much time for an impact, is that he can sit on the bench and kind of come in and there's time for him to grow into that role. Does it seem at all similar to you to that? I don't know. The positive with with Sanson's concern, he, he, he's under no obligation to come in immediately. He, he doesn't have to perform straight away. That's always, always a positive. You know, me being a Liverpool fan, I've witnessed Liverpool buy certain players who have been signed and, and because of the lack of presence already in the team, they've had to immediately start playing from the off. Ryan Aldon was one of those players, you know, we bought him from Newcastle, thankfully from England already, so he was kind of used to the league already. And he had to he had to start playing immediately. Sadio Mane was the same. Klopp has only started to to give players time in the background because he he can he he's now able to do it. There's no rush. He doesn't have to start Fabinho in midfield because we've already got Henderson. We've already got you know Wijnaldum, Keita, whoever. Um, so I think with this player, rather than 
him coming in immediately. Not that he can't. I mean, he might he might do, but the pressure doesn't look like it'll be on from the off. And if if a player does leave in the future, say for example a Douglas Louise and Smith has to switch up his midfield a little bit to maybe a different formation or whatever, it should be a case of Sanson's been at the club for a period of time. He's kind of embedded himself in slowly. Less pressure on him. Maybe coming on as a substitute a few times and that sort of stuff. And it, it, it's just kind of given players the, the right number of opportunities, the, the, the right chances in the right environments to, to thrive, really. And I think when Villa had that season a few years ago, I'm not sure if Veritat was signed alongside, was it Jordi Amari and yeah. um, Adama Traore and players like that? A few of those players from that summer have went on to have solid careers, but they were all bought at a age of like you know, um, not really ready yet. And I think the mm-hmm. management at the time was Tim Sherwood, so it wasn't maybe the most yeah. ideal. So I, I think I just feel like this this maybe feels like it's a bit better set, a bit more suitable to to Sanson, and it's it's the situation is likely to be. You know, he's likely to get a better opportunity to, to show what he can do compared to to Veritas a few years ago. Oh, perfect. Where can people find you then if they want to bug you about Morgan Sampton and anything Villa or the next time Villa play Liverpool? Because uh, it's uh, setting up a nice trilogy for the season now in that, with that final showdown coming up in the league. Yeah. yeah, you can find me at Distance Covered on Twitter. And if I do come on again, hopefully it won't be for, <laughs> for, for a revisit of another 7-2. The way it's going at the minute with the form of Liverpool, then it's possible. Um <laughs> But yeah, thanks for getting me on. I always enjoy doing these. And uh, yeah. the responses and the feedback gen- generally tends to be quite good. So hopefully this will be as well perceived as the um, the 7-2 of you. Oh yeah, hopefully. Uh, we always leave so educated when yourself and uh, Dave go on to teach us about players and matches and all sorts. Uh, I think the uh, the viewers really appreciate it. So Josh, thank you very much for coming on and telling us more about Morgan Sampson today. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to AVFC Extra, an additional dose of Aston Villa content for you, brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast team. If you enjoyed the episode, please do get in touch with us, get involved in the comment sections, tweet us at Claret Blue Pod, or leave us a review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. We'll catch you again very soon with some more content. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.